The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? engagement How long before gift? a wedding should I send out and save the dates? In the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Benjamin Shapiro, and I'm the executive producer of the Voices of Search podcast. And today, we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by our friend Tyson Stockton, who is the co-founder and educational partner at Previsible, which is an SEO consulting and education company that helps support enterprise businesses scale organic search traffic and educate their organizations. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's an episode of the Voices of Search podcast, guest hosted by Tyson Stockton from Previsible. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Tyson Stockton, and today we're going to be covering embracing remote work. Joining us today is Elaine Richards, who's the COO at 37Signals, the makers of Basecamp and Hey.com. 37Signals solves critical problems for everyday growing businesses, It's a saner, calmer, organized way to manage your projects and communicate company-wide. 37Signals is one of the early companies to embrace remote work, and one of their founders has literally written the book on the subject matter. So really looking forward to this conversation with Elaine. Today, we're going to be discussing the future of remote work, challenges that come with remote work, and advice for being more effective in a remote work environment. Okay, here's my conversation with Elaine Richards, COO at 37 Signals. 
Elaine, how's it going? Thanks for jumping back on with me. Hey, yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. So this episode is going to be a little kind of out of the norm for the voice of search. Uh, obviously, we're predominantly talking about SEO matters. Yesterday, we were chatting about you know the executive's perspective on SEO. And today, we're going to shift gears and we're going to talk about remote work. And I think one reason for this is all of us have been thrown further into the remote work lifestyle through the pandemic. It certainly seems like it's the emerging way of doing business that businesses have to deal with. But I'd say too, like as an SEO, it's been a common space, like obviously now much more so than ever. But I think compared to some other maybe more traditional disciplines, already has a prevalent kind of like presence in our workplace. And so I think to be an effective SEO in today, there's a good chance that you have to be working and have to be effective within the remote work. So with your experience at 37 and Signals and what your company has been doing within this space, I think can be really helpful for all the SEOs out there to just kind of hear from a broader sense of what goes into remote work, what are the challenges that we have to overcome, and then how can we be more effective as individuals from that? Yeah, thanks. I mean, well, as you know, this is a topic I have a a lot of thoughts about um, and it and, and interests me a lot from a number of different perspectives. 37 Signals, uh, you know, our co-founders, as you know, literally wrote the book long before this was popular. So they've actually, of course, been um, real advocates and we are a fully distributed company. We're actually about 50-50 employees in the U.S. and out of the U.S. But I don't think a, there's a single city with more than maybe eight employees in it. So we're, we're very distributed. And this is my first company that is fully remote in this way. My previous company was remote in the pandemic, of course, but it was still different. And I feel like what we had done there was more akin to taking the office on the road, right? Just it was the same sort of processes, but it was uh, meetings via Zoom and that kind of thing. Whereas with 37 Signals, it's really a remote culture optimized for people who are in different time zones, optimized for less meetings, optimized for more asynchronous communications. So I guess that's my long-winded way of saying, like, even when we talk about remote versus in office, we're not necessarily talking about just two things. We're talking about, you know, who knows, four or five different kinds of scenarios. And actually, maybe like within that topic, so having the experience of going from in-office culture to then keep some of that like consistency with remote work versus an organization that is remote work and has kind of a different piece. Like, have you noticed through that advantages or kind of like disadvantages to the approach of being a remote workplace? Yeah, I think, I don't know that I would call them advantages or disadvantages because I think a lot of it is really in the, from the perspective of like, what does the company culture prefer and endorse? What do the people prefer and endorse, right? So for example, maybe I love remote because I'm a little introverted and I like, you know, I do the kind of job that is independent work. And so quite frankly, being remote is more productive and, you know, suits me more personally. But you're a more extroverted person. You derive energy from interacting with others, particularly in person. So you know, it's just, it's different person by person and, and organization by organization. So what I'll say about taking your in-office culture on the road, like 
okay, that's fine, right? Nobody had to commute into the office and you got some change of venue and um, and a little more, maybe a little more work-life flexibility or something like that. It's fine. You uh, you need to have some basic stuff to pull it off, right? The right technology, the right work processes, that kind of thing. Going truly remote-oriented, I'm not even sure what the right word is, but you know the way we kind of handle it more at 37 Signals, you know, as I said, we really lean into asynchronous. So a huge difference I have noticed, and we're pretty straight up about this. The price of not having weekly status meetings with your team, the team, the sub team, the super team, the 12 one-on-ones in between, the price of that is asynchronous communication. So you have to read a lot and you have to write a lot and you better probably like both and be good at both. And that has really come home to me. I do read and write a lot and I do like both. And even still, right, it's a, I think like everybody else, like I got a little lazy over my career. It's super easy to call Tyson up or to see Tyson in a meeting room and spout off some ideas and requires not a ton of prep on my part. I can make a PowerPoint deck with bullet points and not complete sentences. And it's a, you can get pretty fast at that. And that's a very different skill exercise and really sitting down and writing long form and really putting thought and organization into your proposal or your pitch or whatever. So that's a pretty big shift. For me, at least, it's like I came from always having an interest in the remote work, but not exactly being in a position for it. And so from through pandemic, it was kind of like threw me into the remote environment and bias speaking like and we've chatted about this, like I have my preference and I love the remote work and want to continue in that way. But it was this interesting transition. It's like, how do you maintain like the the culture with the team? How do you maintain that same demographic? And that was a piece for me that I felt was a little bit of a, a learning curve to where it's like, at first I felt like the initial like gut feeling was like, how do we recreate the same environment remote? And then I quickly noticed that it's like, hey, we we need to just scrap all the stuff that we were doing and not try to do a one-to-one recreation of that. And to just think of like, look at it in a new perspective and like, let's think of this as a clean slate and build from it rather than trying to like recreate it. Like, from your experience and kind of going from both sides and also joining that, like, what are the big, I don't know whether you have like, like tips or recommendations to kind of overcome that challenge or that like inherent, how you'd normally like want to do it of like, okay, this was working. So how do I recreate that? Like, how do you get out of that just one-to-one recreation process? It's a pretty natural reach, isn't it? Like, especially when you're starting on the, you know what in-person office activities and work look like. And so it's pretty logical that you try to make that one-for-one swap. But I don't think any of us has to, has had to do more than like, what, two uh, Zoom happy hours to appreciate that like, <laughs> all of us together in a bar is not the same thing as me sipping wine at home. It's just, uh, yeah, it's not the same experience. So. I think that's the first thing, right? Realize you're not doing one-for-one swaps here. And I do think that people benefit from in-person connection. I do think that's important. We, Even despite being remote and asynchronous with 37 Signals, we still do, I would say, a fair amount of it. We have full company meetups for a solid week, two of them every year. 
We do sub-team meetups, regionalized and team-wise and so on and so forth. And I think that's good. I do think it's been tough to establish the same kind of relationship with the same speed being fully remote. You just, you don't bump into the person in the hallway, in the meeting room, in the cafeteria, the lunchroom, whatever it is. And that lack of serendipity is part of it. I think that I love the ability to have easy video calls or whatever, but they're very transactional. It's hard to feel okay about just kibitzing about whatever for 15 minutes when you're on this very specific call. Those are tough things to overcome. So there is more intentionality required. There is more creativity required. And I don't actually think that the answer is let's get creative about our online happy hours and our online team building. I mean, believe me, I've done them all. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate all the efforts. I really do. Give me a good old fashioned once a month, once a quarter lunch with people who are near me locally. And I'm more than happy to make the swap. And so one of the takeaways that I'm hearing from that then is even with the remote workforce, there are some inherent benefits of the in-person meetings. And so whether it's, you know, in your case, a twice a year, all hands, everyone gets together or sub teams, you almost have to have some element of the human interaction to then build those or not build, but I guess foster those bonds and those relationships a bit more than what you'd get out of, you know, a tactical business call. I think so. I think it's really important. And I am a big believer that organizational culture drives so much of employee behavior, drives so much of our ability to collaborate. It's really important. Now, maybe there's some people in some businesses for whom that's not very important. It's all very transactional and we can just all turn in our papers and call it a day. But well, I haven't seen one yet. So Fair. And I think we're starting the conversation too a bit when you're talking about asynchronous like communication. Like, So obviously there's a skill set requirement of nonverbal or like written communication. But like, I also feel like there's challenges to creating that like engagement within. And I've seen just through my own experience, going through the transition to being remote, like some challenges that to really like keep individuals fully engaged in the same way that they might have been going into the office. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. 
So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Do you have or do you guys use any tips or tactics at 37 Signals to kind of really foster that and still have that same level of engagement with like the employees that maybe comes a little more secondhand when you're all in the office together? Yeah, you know, the place where I think about that the most is with new people, right? So we have pretty much doubled the size of the team in the last year. And we had our first all hands meeting in two years last March, right? So it's my long winded way of saying like more than half the people at the company had never met each other. And new people coming into a remote environment, I think a lot about, you know, like the first day experience and how incredibly underwhelming it is, right? Because here you are, it's Monday morning, let's say, you sit down at your same desk, at your house, possibly with the same computer, probably with the same monitor, and you open it up and wow, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) Right, doesn't have the same splash impact. There's just not, right? There's just not like, you already know where the bathroom is. You made the coffee for yourself. Like, you know, and there's just not that real, what I think is um, really unfortunate is you miss that sort of first day excitement. Okay. So I know not all of us love going to the office and all, but at least there was, it felt momentous, right? To go into an office for the first time, to start a new job on that first day. And so how do you create that same moment of like, wow, this is great. Right? I'm so happy to be here on my first day of whatever it is. So we spent some time, and I wouldn't say we've mastered it, but um, we spent some time trying to think about, okay, are there a couple of Zoom calls that we pre-line up with an onboarding buddy, with your manager, with somebody on your same team, just to sort of you know, start to get you acclimated? Is there a box of things that we can send you that we say, like, listen, just don't open this until, you know, don't open this till Monday. And as whatever company swag or whatever it might be, anything to sort of help that first day moment. And then secondly, like sort of following along that train. So we happen to work in base camp because we happen to, we are base camp. So we obviously do a lot of work in base camp, but maybe your company uses Slack or whatever it is, right? On that first day, or even in that first week, or even in that first month, when you really don't know anybody, how brave and bold are you going to be to jump into those chat channels, right? How brave and bold are you going to be to reach out to whoever it is, right? Uh, and ping them or, or DM them or whatever. And so that's the kind of thing too, where talking about engagement, it's, I think it's, it can be tough to break that initial barrier of feeling like, oh yeah, it's okay for me to post in this channel. It's okay for me to interrupt this person as you're still getting to know people. And not having that opportunity to do the office walk around, right? Where like you stop by every desk and people wave at you and nobody remembers anybody's name or you know whatever it is, right? Those things as sort of like goofy as they may have felt when we used to do them, they served a purpose, which was to try to break that barrier. We don't have that. So now what are we going to do? I like that call out too, because with someone that's been in the organization for a while, they already have, they already know the people, they already have all that piece. But I think 
starting out by getting off those new hires on the right path and like really embracing or putting the focal point on the onboarding is really, really critical. And I think another piece from what you said that kind of jumped out is to be thinking about those traditional process or steps. And again, not trying to recreate it in the same way, but get to the crux of what was the purpose of those and then finding like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be another tactic or a new tactic that serves the same purpose, but it may be doing it in a completely different way. Yeah. And you're exactly right, right? For, so for longstanding employees, less of an issue. They, they've already you know, met the people either in person or online or both. For new people, I think about it. The impact to existing employees, by the way, I read this recently in a fun piece of academic research conducted with Microsoft, is that when in-office employees went remote, one of the places that they actually measured a difference in networking, which was kind of unexpected, was their frequency of reaching out cross-functionally and cross-departmentally. So I, so people did a pretty decent job of continuing to work with their everyday teammates, right? But what they didn't do anymore was that like quick outreach to, you know, let's say I'm in product, you know, the quick outreach to finance that I may have done in the office and said, hey, you're looking at this. Can you, you know, what are your thoughts on this aspect of it? They didn't do that sort of across and over piece anymore or far less. Mm, no, for me as the, as the SEO here that, is a little bit of a red flag because I'm thinking like... Yeah, should be. For an SEO, for them to be effective, they better be damn good at making those relationships to those cross-functional teams, building those partners, building those relationships. So kind of to, I guess, dig a little bit deeper in that for an individual contributor, do you have any tips or advice to encourage that or to overcome that like reservation of not reaching out? Like, are there things that the individual can do? Because like as SEOs, I mean, I hope everyone hearing this is just like, hey, that's something that needs to be on my radar. I need to be diligent. I need to be cognizant of that to then overcome that challenge. I think the big standout to me is just to be aware that that difference even exists, right? I don't think we all realize that Again, especially from an in-person to remote switch, or maybe in an organization that has both, right? That we seem to be, this research would suggest that we seem to be predisposed to sort of make our circle of contact smaller, not bigger. And I think, this is now, this is nothing but my own conjecture, but I think there is sort of this mental perception slash blockage around permission, right? Like, do I, is it okay? Is it permissible for me to reach out to this person who's not in my everyday circle? Do I feel like I'm bothering them? Do I feel like, what do I feel like their receptivity will be? And is that real or imagined? And then you can sort of figure out how to approach it tactically, but know that, it, that it's happening. Fair. And maybe like similar question, but so maybe it's a SEO manager, director of SEO. And so they're managing individuals that have the requirement to do that cross phone call outreach. So they know, you know, now whether it's from past experience or listening to this, that, hey, that's an area that you need to be aware of. Is there anything that the manager, the leader can do to try to like, encourage that communication or to try to like 
subtly nudge the individuals to get out of that comfort zone of talking to a closer, closer group of individuals? So I used to do this actually even in office just to foster sort of cross departmental team building and so on, which I don't think people love this, but actually put it in people's sort of development plans and, uh, and quarterly objectives and so on to have them go and, you know, quote unquote, make a friend, right, in some other department or make three friends this quarter in some other department. And the bar to, quote unquote, make a friend is low, right? Go have a call, have a coffee, whatever it is. I know it sounds really contrived. There are a lot of people probably listening right now who are doing a whole lot of eye rolling, but what doesn't get measured doesn't get done. It's my management bias. So uh, I'm open to other suggestions. But <laughs> No, I think... I think that's fair. I mean, we've, I mean, we touched on this earlier in the episode, but like I have that reservation on the forced, fun, happy hour type calls. But I think like the takeaway for this is even if it brings up that feeling of like, okay, that's contrived, we know that we're facing a challenge with that piece. I mean, it's critical in business, but it's like heightened from like a critical factor if I'm managing an SEO team to encourage that. So putting that hardline measurable, even if it is kind of forcing that, it's still getting at addressing a known challenge that we have to overcome to operate in this remote work environment. Yeah, I mean, for SEO managers or directors, I think I'd look at it this way. Like if you had a choice between hosting an online happy hour between your team and another team (laughs) or telling each of your folks that they have to go and figure out a a reasonable excuse for meeting with one other person from another team, you know, which one is more likely to be awkward and which one is more likely to add value to somebody, right? So, yeah. Fair. And I mean, dude, just from my own experience, like I certainly feel a lot more comfortable in like the individual conversations versus the larger group. Because when you have like a larger group environment in person, you allow for those individual side conversations to be going on. But if it's a all team, all company happy hour, you only have one conversation that everybody's either just listening to or participating, but it doesn't really give everybody the same experience of building the relationship. I totally agree. We could have a whole nother podcast about awkward group Zoom online meetings. But yes, I totally agree. I mean, yeah, I would be interested in hearing some horror stories (laughs) of uh, (laughs) those awkward moments just for fun. But I mean, with this too, I mean, 37 Signals has been the forefront of embracing the remote work. I think we've hit on some of the challenges from this, but obviously there's advantages that come with it. Your ability to acquire a variety of talent, different perspectives, depending on like location of where individuals are coming in. Is there anything else to kind of close out this episode from like an organizational perspective that you think helps foster that environment that can thrive with remote work? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of discussion that I think is interesting about what people prefer. And certainly the prevailing wisdom is that people 
prefer remote more flexibility and so on and so forth. What's better for the performance of the organization? I think there's sort of empirical evidence that goes both ways. But actually, I think that the first assessment that organizations need to make is what's your leadership team? Your, what is your executive leadership team prepared to support? Because fundamentally, I have my own personal preference. I think it can go either way. But here's what I know for sure. If you have a C-suite that really wants to see butts and seats every day for whatever reason, right? And they capitulate to having people remote or even hybrid or whatever it is because they feel like they have to because people will leave otherwise. You're kind of going to have a failure. You've got a fundamental mismatch between what your leadership and therefore what your organizational culture is going to support and reward and what you're telling people that they can do. And I don't think that's healthy. So that's kind of my general advice for making it work or not making it work is just be really clear about what it is that you are organizationally prepared to support. That's a great point. From my experience too, it's like consistency seems to be really critical where it's like if leadership or anyone in the things having mixed signals or mixed messages as far as where the organization is, it really creates a bunch of those fractures. But if you have the consistency from leadership within the organization, then obviously it kind of stems down throughout the entire organization. But I think consistency really becomes a critical factor to be successful. Absolutely. So I know somebody who works for a large Fortune 1000 firm. And this company has said, because they're trying to be accommodating to employees and all this kind of stuff. So they've said, hey, we're okay with there being hybrid hybrid attendance in the office days and days out. And we'll be very flexible. And you can figure out individually, you know, how many days in and out and all that kind of stuff. And this uh, person I know who works there said, but the unspoken message that everybody knows is that the executive team is in the office every day and they know who's in and who's out and they're rewarding people who are in and seen. So to your point about lack of consistency, like that seems pretty crappy to me, right? As as an employee, you told me that like I could do what works for me personally, but you clearly don't really believe that because you gave my colleague over here a promotion, a raise, or whatever it is because you saw him every day, but you didn't see me every day. That's the kind of thing I think is really dangerous. I completely agree with that. And from my own experience too, I feel like those are the toughest in some ways where previously, pre-pandemic, I was managing a team that was half in office, half remote. And after we went into the full remote and even with Previsible as we're a remote-based company, to me, it's a little easier to manage or easier... Or not just to manage, but also for the individuals that it's more beneficial to all be in the same boat. So it's like, if you're remote, you're embracing as remote first and that's your go-to or you are in office. But I found, and it wasn't as, I guess, like apparent to me of these challenges, but it's like, as I was having one-on-one conversations with people and just digging into a bit how everyone's doing, how everyone's feeling about it. I got again and again from some of the individuals that were remote that they actually found it easier once the entire organization was remote because they didn't feel as alienated. 
I'm sure that's true in many, many, you know, consistently. So you don't have to love Elon Musk's pronouncement that everybody will get their butt back in the seat or be fired or you know, Goldman Sachs, I think, has a similar position. I think so is Tata. Like, you don't have to love that, but at least they're clear about it, right? At least they're clear about what they expect and what they plan to reward. And then you can make your decision about whether or not that's the right place for you. Yeah. And then again, it comes back to that consistency of the messaging and the consistency of what you're showing the organization. Yeah. I have separate concerns, I think, that I've mentioned to you before about, you know, hybrid policies, which is in so many ways, you know, I think hybrid is the toughest of all to really work out in that the more flexible that hybrid policy is with all the best intent, I think the more problems it consistently sets up, right? If you tell employees, hey, it's three days in, two days out, but you pick which three and which two, and you pick a certain set and I pick a certain set, we're on the same team. Like, what did we really just do here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're basically to a remote, (laughs) remote environment. Yeah, right. So I think the 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 more the details around that really matter, and that will really uh, you know sort of uh, tell us where it's more effectively done and how. Absolutely. Well, Elaine, thank you again for joining us. That wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. I think in summary, some key takeaways that I'd really like to double down on for the audience is one, kind of starting the conversation to not be trying to reproduce like a one-to-one. If you're transitioned from in-office to being remote, thinking about the purpose of those different tasks or steps that you are doing and then finding new ways to achieve the purpose, but not trying to recreate the exact same thing. And then I think for the SEOs out there, really being aware and having it top of mind that there is this natural factor that people will fall into talking to a smaller group of people more frequently And if you're managing an SEO team or if you're an individual contributor on the SEO team, acknowledging that, knowing that, and then whether you're pushing yourself or pushing your team to keep that relationship and keep making that effort for that cross-functional, cross-team communication, that that has to be one of your main focuses to be successful working remote within SEO. Thanks again to Elaine Richards, COO at 37signals for joining us. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to hear more from Elaine, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in the show notes or visit her company's website at 37signals.com or basecamp.com and look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com awt. 
That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And if you didn't have a chance to take notes while you're listening to the podcast, just head over to voiceofsearch.com where we have summaries of all the episodes and contact information of our guests. And you can also send us a topic suggestion or SEO questions and apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our show's handle is at Voices of Search on Twitter. And my personal handle is at Tyson underscore Stockton. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed. We're going to publish a new episode every workday. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed with the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. Until next time, the answers are always in the data.